service. I don't know why, but I feel him doing something a little different here. How many of you know God's good when he does that? So over the last few weeks, we've been talking about um, Elisha. We've been looking at his, at his life. Today, I want to shift gears. I want to back up a little bit in the timeline of, of God's word. And I want to look at his mentor, Elijah. Somebody look at your neighbor and say more. 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 This is week three of the series and the theme for Epicenter Church for 2020. Say more. more. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, do you have your bracelet on? Do you have your bracelet on? Listen. You got your bracelet? Somebody look at your other neighbor that you haven't chosen yet and say, you better get your bracelet. If you ain't got your bracelet, I'm... <laughs> look at them and say, you were meant for more, so you better get your bracelet. How many of you know that God is a God of more? God can take very little and do more with it than you ever dreamed. God can take what you have labeled as not enough and cause it to be more than enough. That's the kind of God that we serve. God can take what was very little in a boy's lunchbox and use it to feed tens of thousands of people. God can take something that was dead and say, no, 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 it's only sleeping. Lazarus, come up out of that grave. God can take 12 disciples and their deficiencies and turn them into world change. I feel my preach coming on. God is the God of more. How many of you know that he wants to open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon you that there's not room enough to receive his grace is more than enough the bible says that he is in me and if god is in me and for me then what can the world throw against me that only means that ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 is mine that means that he can do exceedingly abundantly above all that i think ask or imagine why because his provision is more than my lack lord his healing is more than my sickness somebody give god praise y'all gonna make me preach You know, we, we all have a desire for more, but many of us never reach or will never reach that more because we're not willing to do what it takes in order to get there. You see, last week I, I gave you this thought. I want to pick up where I left off last week. Potential and preparation. Somebody say potential. The definition of potential is the capacity the capacity to develop into something more. Mm, grab that. The capacity to develop into something more. We all have the capacity for more. Our problem is on the developmental side. We all desire for more, but many of us don't have the consistency to get to more. Lord have mercy. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. You see... Potential goes unrealized without preparation. And preparation always comes in the form of sacrifice. We don't like the sacrifice part. 
I mean, think about King David for a minute. King David was anointed to be king. It was not for 12 years until he became king. And during that 12 years, there was a preparation period that caused great sacrifice in his life. I think about Moses who was prepared in the desert to reach his potential for 40 years. I think about Jesus who took 12 disciples who prepared them for three and a half years before they ever reached their potential. But many of us will not reach our potential because the sacrifice doesn't make sense I need to calm down I'm, I'm, I'm gonna let y'all I'm gonna let y'all sit down I'm gonna let y'all sit. just look at your neighbor and say I'm sitting down <laughs> so let me let me read the narrative can I just read the narrative and then I'm gonna come behind it and preach is that all right here's what his word says in first Kings Chapter 17, verse 7, it says, Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Him is Elijah, the great prophet. Then the word of the Lord came to him. You see, what's happening here is we're getting the definition of the problem. But we're also seeing that the word of the Lord came to Elijah right in the middle of the problem. I need to go ahead and announce this, and then I'm going to get back to reading. And that is that God is the same today (laughs) as he was yesterday. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if you want the word of the Lord to show up in your situation, you need to consult the word of the Lord about your situation. (sighs) Cha-ching. Let me just go ahead and say this. Y'all may see me doing this up here some. It's because all kinds of fuzzy things are flying off my sweater. <laughs> and I'm just telling you, my ADHD is like, ooh, damn. Yeah. Oh, Jesus, here we go. <laughs> Look at this, verse 9. Go at once to Zarephath, the region of Sidon, and stay there. He's giving him some more directions. He said, I have directed the widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering up sticks. And he called her and he asked her, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may have a drink? I'm thirsty. And as she was going to get it, he called and he said, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. Verse 12 is where we get our title from. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour. Somebody look at your neighbor and give to them the title of today's message. The potential of a handful. Look at your other neighbor and say the potential of a handful. Goes on to read. She said, I don't have any bread. All I have is a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering up a few sticks to take home and I'm going to make a meal for myself and my son and that we may eat it and then we're going to die verse 13 Elijah said to her don't be afraid go home do as you have said but first make me a small loaf of bread some of your translations say prepare for me a small loaf of bread potential goes unrealized without preparation preparation always requires sacrifice 
Let me pause right there and do some work to set this up because I want you to see the personal application in this story. I'm going to just be honest with you. I don't think I did my job well enough in the first service. So, so I, I'm, I'm just going to go for it in this service, all right? So what you have is Elijah, this incredible man of God who's the mouthpiece for God to the nation of Israel who happens to be serving during King Ahab's time. And King Ahab has already set out a decree that everybody in the land must worship the false gods that he has identified. One of those false gods is the god called Baal. Baal is the sky god. He's the weather god. All of the people of Israel, many of them, I should say, the majority of them have begun worshiping Baal. Elijah, the great prophet, realizes, hold on a second, the people of God are falling away from God. So Elijah prophesies that there will not be any rain or dew in the land for years unless by his word. He wanted to show the people of Israel that there is one true God. So he prophesied this drought would take place and the drought took place here was the problem. The drought did not only impact the people of Israel, the drought also impacted Elijah. So God said, if you'll go to the brook at Kareth, I will, you, you can drink there and I'll have the ravens feed you there. He goes to the brook at Kareth and God does exactly what he said he was going to do because God is a God of more. Hello? But after he was there for a little while, the brook dried up. Now God is telling him to go somewhere else, to Zarephath. Now God is requiring more of Elijah. And in order for Elijah to experience all that God has for him, he's got to do the more that God is requiring of him. Just a thought, and I know it's probably for a different sermon, but Elijah is doing every single thing that God asked him to do. Everything. But the brook still dried up. How does that play on your faith when you're doing everything that you feel like you should be doing, but yet the thing that has been getting you through has now dried up? The thing that has sustained you has now dried up. I must be preaching to myself up in here because after all, what is faith? Faith is the substance of things asked for. But yet the evidence not seen. Faith comes by what? Believing, not, not by seeing. And sometimes our faith tends to, tends to take a back seat to what we see because what we see tends to contradict our faith. So here, the brook dries up. The brook here represents so many different things. You cannot just see the, the drought for the people of Israel. You need to see the drought for your own life because the brook could, could represent your, your health drying up. The brook could represent your, your finances drying up. You're, you're doing everything that you know how to do. You're working more, but it seems like you have less. The, the brook could be your time. You guard it as valuable, but something always seems to be draining it. Could it be that the reason why the brook tends to be drying up in your life is because God wants you to see more than just what he can do for you. He wants to do something in and through you. 
Could it be that the brook dries up because God does not want you to place your trust in what he gifted you with. He wants you to place your trust in him. Rather than talking about what you don't have, we need to be celebrating who has us. Are you with me? Churches tend to do this all around the country. They celebrate what used to be. Could it be the antithesis of more is being complacent in what was last? <laughs> That's good. We can just close this thing up and go home on that. I'll try to say it again. Could it be the antithesis of more is is being complacent in what was last. Churches today will celebrate what used to be and they've stopped preparing for what God is doing now. Can I tell you something? The moment that you begin to worship the gifts that he's given you and they become more important to you and you celebrate how good those gifts are to you rather than who he is to you, that your brook will always dry up. So he, he says to Elijah, he says, okay, Elijah, the brook's dried up. The raven's not brought you any food in days. You see, there's no water running down the brook. So I want you to get up, and I want you to go to Zarephath. That don't make sense, God. I ain't going to Zarephath. I mean, it would be easy for Elijah to say that. I ain't going to Zarephath. Zarephath is a Gentile city. They don't even believe what we believe. Why would you send me there? I don't want to go to Zarephath, and, and, and then you're going to send me to a widow woman, and you're going to claim that she can take care of all my needs. Everybody in the ancient world knows that, that, that widows are impoverished. They're just, they just don't have enough. And you're going to send me there? That, that, it makes more sense for me to hang out right here by this brook that one time sustained me than to go there because she probably doesn't even believe in you. But he goes to Zarephath, and when he gets to Zarephath, God says, there she is, right there she is. And he looks over at her, and this little old widowed woman, <laughs> she's reaching down and grabbing sticks because she's going to go home and make a fire. And when he sees her, he's like, God, that can't be the one. That can't, that can't be it, God. She's malnourished, God. She can't even take care of herself. God, she's gathering up sticks to, to have a fire. And then he looks off in the distance and he sees her house because they're at the city gates and he sees her. God, she's got a shack. It's not a mansion. How do you think she's going to take care of me? She can't even take care of herself, God. She can't even take care of the things that are coming against her. She's gathering up sticks and she's trying. Come on, God, I thought you were going to send me to a resort. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with this drought. The least you could do is send me to the Marriott. This woman can't take. Sometimes the way God provides looks different than we expected. Mm. Sometimes we miss what God is trying to do. Because what he's trying to do through us looks so different than what we need from him. Good Lord. It looks like we're on two different streets here. This is what I need from him, and this is what he's trying to do through me. Come on, God. This can't be. 
Just get, listen, it was the same way for Jesus. People missed him being the Savior of the world because they were looking for this Savior to come in riding with, with force, taking over this political system and, and, and causing people to be free from this political system. But God sent Jesus Christ in the form of a baby because he wasn't concerned about a political system. He was concerned about freeing people spiritually. But people miss Jesus Christ and look past him because he doesn't look like they thought he would look. I wonder how many opportunities we've missed because they come in a form that we didn't expect them to come in. Lord have mercy. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching to you. So here, he walks up to this woman. He says, he says, can you get me something to drink? I'm thirsty. Miracles are made out of need. If there is not a need that will challenge you, there will never be a word that will stir you. Grab that. So many times when we're praying for more from God, he uses a need to stir our faith so that we'll experience more of God. So here is, is, is Elijah. He goes to Zarephath. Doesn't make any sense. The drought has now turned into a famine. Widow woman doesn't make any sense. He's asking God for more, but he seems to be getting less. Anybody in here ever been in that situation? You're praying for more, but it seems like you're getting less. But yet he mustered up enough faith to look at the woman and say, hey, hey, by the way, could you also get me some bread with that water? I, I'm starving. She said in verse 12, you can look at it. She said, as sure as your God lives, I don't have any bread. All I have is a handful of a handful of flour. That's all I have left in the jar at home is a handful of flour. And I, I'm going to go home and I'm going to take these few sticks that I have right here. And I, I'm going to start a fire. I, I, I'm going to cause that flour to be in, in, in a dough-like position. And then I'm going to cook it. And, and, and then me and my son are going to eat our last meal. And then we're going to die. I don't have any bread. All I have is a handful of flour. And I'm going to go home, and I'm going to eat with my son after I make that bread, and then we're going to die just like everybody else has on my street. Do you see what she's doing? She's showing us her mindset while articulating her need for more. All I have is a handful. I, 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 that's all I have is a handful. You're asking me for something. All I have is a handful. So many times, even as Christ followers, even in our spiritual lives, we take up, I already said this to you a, a few minutes ago, we take up residency in our need. 
we begin to identify with our need, what is missing rather than what we have, what we don't have rather than who has us, what is wrong in our lives rather than what God has done right in our lives. And then we begin to make all of these excuses. We begin to say, well, all I have is a little bit. Why should I go? All I have is a little bit. What good is this? Why should I give? All I have is a little bit. What good will it do if I serve? And we begin to make excuses. Why do I give in that offering? Because all I seem to have is just a little bit. Why should I give that encouraging word? It's just a little bit. But then I begin to remember that's God's specialty. He takes that little bit, that handful, and he turns it into something that is more than enough. He took a handful of food and he fed tens of thousands of people. He took a handful of stones and he saved a nation when David killed Goliath. He took took Moses and he led the people out of captivity into the promised land and all he had in his hand. Darren was a staff you see the question is are you going to use what's in your hand or are you going to eat what's in your hand all I have all I have all I have is a handful you see many times we never reach our potential because Let me say it this way. Many times what we have never reaches its potential because we don't use it in the way that God wants us to use it. We don't use it in the way that God intended. I don't have any bread. All I have is a handful of flour. We're focused on what we don't have rather than using what we do have. I mean, we all want breakthrough in our lives, but we seldom become someone's breakthrough. We, we all want God to give to us grace, but we won't yield grace. <laughs> we, all, we, we, we want God to bless us financially, but yet we hold on to what we have and we're not a blessing to others. You have to remember, God will use the need in your life to stir up your faith. Because what Elijah was doing was trying to find out where this woman finds her significance. The status of her life. You see, if the status of your life is where you find significance, you'll never have enough. If the status of your life is significance, you'll always say you don't have enough, and then you'll always complain about what you don't have. If the status in your life is significance, then you will be upset when other people have more Facebook followers than you. If the status in your life is your significance, then you will be selfless or selfish, I should, I should say, rather than selfless because you'll find ways to serve your need as opposed to helping others in theirs. Lord have mercy. I know this is hard to hear in January. I thought this was a series of more. I mean, more. I want more. Man, we're supposed to be talking about, you know, how to lose weight. And we're supposed to be talking about, oh, God's going to open up the windows of heaven. Well, he does want to. But never in his word has he been just so frivolous that 
Yes, grace is more than enough in our moment of weakness. Grace is something that we don't deserve, and he poured out all of that stuff on us. But if you see and you examine and you study the Bible, you see all of these people met the blessings of God with their willingness to be involved in what he was doing. So Elijah, what does he do? He puts a demand on this woman's need. He says to her, I mean, you can look at it. He says, okay, so you're going to go home and you're going to make some bread for you and your son. So when you go home and you're going to make some bread for you and your son and then you're going to die, could you first, before you die, make me some bread? <laughs> I mean, look at it. That's what he says. He says, you go home. You, okay, but when you do that, could you first make me some bread? You're going to go home. You're going to make some bread for you and your son and then you're going to die. But first, before, before you die, Bring me some bread. I'm hungry. You know what he's doing? He's, he's, testing, he's testing her belief in the word. You see, she's in a place of famine. And so he puts a demand on her need. He's trying to see if she will give out of her need. Mm, Lord have mercy. He's testing her belief in the word. You see, it's one thing to say you believe. It's another thing to act upon your beliefs. It's one thing to say you believe God is your Jehovah Jireh. He's my provider. He shall supply for all of my needs according to his riches and glory. It's one thing to say you believe. It's another thing to be generous in your need. see, a person whose mind is connected to status would have said to Elijah, oh, you better get back, Jack. This is mine. Mine and my son. It's our last meal, and I ain't about to give any to you. But a person whose heart's connected to God says, well, you know what? God gave it all to me anyway, and it might not be enough to fix the problem, but you know what's going to happen? I'm going to give it anyway because it, I want it to set a precedence while I'm going down. I still put God first. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, shoo. She said, woo, but that'll work too, I guess. So, you know, the mantra of this narrative, the mantra of this narrative is not prophecy. He didn't give the woman a word first. He just said, would you go? And the, the, the mantra of this narrative is not prophecy, it's preparation. The mantra of this narrative is not prophecy, it's potential. The mantra of this narrative is not prophecy, it's priority. Mm. So Elijah says to her, do not be afraid. He says it to her, just don't be afraid. Go into it because the Lord, he's going to bless you if you will. Just, just go into it. Don't be afraid. You know why he tells her not to be afraid? Because when you are living according to your status, if that's where you find significance, Fear causes you to hold on to rather than give. Do not be afraid because fear will cause you to hold on to love rather than being generous with love. Fear will cause you to hold on to forgiveness rather than yield forgiveness because I don't want to be hurt again. Fear will cause you to hold on to serving because you want to find a way to serve your need. I, I, I wrote this down. I, I don't want to miss this. You got to grab it. Many times we miss the more that God desires because we focus on what we lose if we give rather than what we gain. 
And I'm not talking about money. If you think that's what this message is about, you are missing the point. We focus if, on what we lose if we give rather than what we gain. L look at what happens in verses 14 and following. It says this. It says, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. My team, come back. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. Notice he does not end the famine or the drought. He just says the jug, the jar that you have your flour in and the jug that your oil is in, that handful of, of flour, it, it's never going to run out. Hmm. Verse 15, she went away and she did as Elijah told her to do. So there was food every day for Elijah, for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word that the Lord had spoken by Elijah. Are you grabbing this? Hold on a second. It doesn't say that she went home and the jar of flour was running over. Mm -mm. No. You see, some of you are like hoping God will show up and meet your need and you're, you're not in a place where it seems like God has just caused all of heaven to open up and pour out blessings that are not, there's not room enough to receive. But if you'll notice, every time you reach down into that jar, it seems like God has shown up again and again and again. And every time you reach down, there's more. Every time you reach down, there's proof that God is the God of more. You see, this woman received a word. But she didn't just hear the word, she began to act on the word. You see, God could have made bread for her because he had done that for the people of Israel. But he wanted her to be involved in the process so that every time she reached down, she grabbed another handful of potential. Every time she reached down and she was generous, God opened up heaven on her behalf. I don't know who I'm talking to. But every time you reach down and you're generous with what you have, God will open up heaven on your behalf. I don't know who I'm talking to, but you don't have to beg for more. All you have to do is give out of what you already have, and God will open up the windows of heaven upon you, and there will not be room enough to receive it. A handful of love, a handful of help, a handful of service. Somebody show a handful of forgiveness, a handful of breakthrough, a handful of an encouraging word, a handful for God, because God will do more than you ever dreamed. Somebody get up on your feet and begin to give him praise. She would have never reached more had she not been willing to give out of what she had. Hold on. She would have never reached more had she not overcome the mindset of I only have. She would have never reached more had she not taken up residence in faith rather than problem in promise rather than her problem she would have never have reached more 
had she not reached down and grabbed that last handful, placed it on the table, started a fire. This doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. I just have enough for me and my boy. And everybody else is piled up bodies at the end of the street. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna give out of what I have. Because I realize when I give out of what I have, God said that He'll let my jug continue to have. He, she looked over there, and when she took that handful out, when she looked there, it wasn't overflowing. It wasn't, you know, that's what we're looking for. It wasn't like pouring over the sides. Because you know what? She could have called everybody and said, hey, I got so much over here. Just whoo, take some, take some, take. Listen, no, 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 no. It was just enough. She had to make a decision. It's too little to do anything with. Or hold on a second. God can do more than enough with the little that I have to offer. With every head bowed and every eye closed. If you would say today, Pastor Mark, I've heard this word. can relate to this woman I feel like there's a place in my life that 